Judges chapter 13. I want you to turn there, uh, Judges chapter 13. And while you turn to Judges chapter 13, I want to remind you just around the corner, as you're well aware, is a new year. And with the new years, a lot of decisions. I have no idea why we do that. Why do we have to wait to the new year to make decisions? It's just a thing. How many are guilty of that? You wait to the new year? Three of you? The rest of you are liars? <clears throat> I do. It's just something that feels good, doesn't it? It feels really good. I, I've, to make decisions at the beginning of the new year, I was gained like nine pounds in the last three months, and I thought, at least at the beginning of the new year, I'm going to lose that weight, and I have all these goals and plans and ideas, and, and I know you do too, but one of the biggest goals at the top of our list ought to be our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, and we seem to get on track with that at the beginning of the year, but I want to talk about some paths we need to take this morning and speak on one of my favorite characters out of the Word of God. Paul is my absolute favorite. Nobody better outside of Jesus Christ, obviously, but I love Paul. How many love Paul in the Word of God? It's awesome. I love him and his characteristics about him, how he handled himself, how he preached, his missionary stories. I love everything he does. But Samson's another one. You know why I like Samson out of the book of Judges? I love Samson because Samson is the only real living Superman. I love Superman. How many love Batman? No, no, yeah. He's nothing without his money. Nothing. Superman. I am a huge Superman fan. Even more, just because I'm talking about Samson, I wore my Superman cufflinks today. Because he is a real living Superman. And he was designed by God for a purpose. And a purpose that all of us are designed for. Not necessarily to be a warrior, but a warrior of Jesus Christ. Not to slay people, but we're designed to, to hold up the name of Christ. To, to, to tell others about Jesus Christ. And what's interesting in the book of Judges chapter 13 and verse 1 is the Bible tells us that the children of Israel did evil against the sight of the Lord. And then the Lord decided to do something. And I don't want to make God mad because there's some things God can do that you just don't want to find out about. And what God did with the children of Israel, he delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. That is a long time to be under the thumb of the Philistines, which is a very hardcore, wicked nation that the children of Israel has been fighting against even today. We're dealing with problems with the children, the children of Israel with the Philistines. So I want to stop there and I want to bring to light the road to Timnoth leads, some say Gaza or Gaza, but we're going to talk about the road to Timnoth leads to Gaza. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus Christ's name, I do pray that you'll give me the liberty and the words to preach for the next few minutes here. I pray, God, that you'll change our lives and work in our hearts. I pray, God, that you'll be glorified in everything that's said and done. We love you, God. We cannot make it without you. We cannot go into this new year without you. So I'm praying, Lord, you empower me this morning. Change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> the Bible says that the children, whatever they may have done, the children of Israel did something bad enough, evil enough, that God decided to put them in bondage under the Philistines' thumb. With that in mind, something started to take place a little, on, a little further on in uh, Judges chapter 13. And we'll see down in verse 3 that God's going to shift gears. And the reign of the Philistines was about to come to a close with a new breed. A new hero, if you would, named Samson. And he was going to rise up. And I love Samson. I, again, I say that because when I was a child, I thought of him as a, a real, living, breathing Superman that God designed to fight against the Philistines. 
to do something no other man could do. And I love that because we, can't, we don't see that today. And we hear of things and they make movies and so forth, but God is an awesome God and the way he does things is beyond our comprehension. But there are some unique things concerning Samson I want you to see. And it starts off in a land called Timnoth that leads down to Geza or Geza. So I want to show you this in verse 3. Look with me. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman, we're in chapter 13, and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. I love the way it starts off because the angel's literally saying, I'm about to do a miracle in your life. God is about to do a miracle in your life. You're not able to have a baby, but you're about to. And it's not just any child. Verse 4, now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Boy, what joy. We finally have somebody to stand up against the Philistines, and it's my baby. And not just my baby, but... I've never been able to have a baby, and now I'm going to have a baby that's going to be a victorious soldier, a warrior, a man of God, but a Nazarite from the womb. See, the Nazarite vow usually starts further on in the life when they can make that decision. Paul made a decision to be a a Nazarite further on in his ministry. Samuel is recorded in the Word of God being a Nazarite. John the Baptist, we see, was a Nazarite. But here's something interesting. He's not even born yet, and God said he's going to be a Nazarite from his birth, his nativity. A Nazarite was a person separated wholly unto the Lord. He's different. He stood out. He was set aside. He was to abstain from wine and strong drink, but there's other things. He was, nece- was a necessity in his life, according to the book of, uh, of Numbers chapter 6. He was to refrain from cutting his hair. I could never be a Nazarite. <laughs> I would fail. I have no ability to grow hair. Very little. And if I grew it out, you'd be like, that is weird. That is a freakish looking man. So I abstained from it altogether. I cut my hair uh, short with a razor blade. But not only that, they, they couldn't cut their hair, but they had no physical contact with the dead. Even if they were mourning over their father and they wanted to put their hands upon the father or mother after their death, they were not to touch anything dead. You were not to kill a bird. You're not to kill a squirrel and carry it off to eat those things. Rabbit, no deer hunting. Do not touch anything dead. Three things that separate them. And after the period of time they're done being in, uh, of that vow um, of being a Nazarite, they were to go before the temple at the sanctuary at the door and present a he lamb of the first year for a burnt offering. Not just that, but they also use, have a ewe lamb of the first year for a sin offering and then a ram for a peace offering. Very strange. And it goes on, as you study scripture, to find out that they were to take the hair of their head that was grown out during that period of time of their vow and and remove it. So they'd have to literally keep track of how much hair was grown during that period of time. And that length of hair was to be cut off and thrown into the peace offering fire, burnt up. All of this was very symbolic to show I'm set apart, I'm different, I've set this period of time aside to serve my living God. I'm not, I'm not like everybody else. I'm unique. But Samson was even more unique because he was a strong man. The strength of multiple men. Let me remind you, you may not be a Nazarite, but you're a Christian. You are called out by God. 
You are set aside. As believers, we maintain a lifestyle that's separate from the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. We, we have a Christian lifestyle that brings glory to God and good to us. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, the Bible says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You are called out. You're, you're different. You're a pilgrim. You're an ambassador. You're not a Nazarite, but you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And one day we'll stand before our living God, not to cut our hair off, to throw it before him, to say, I lived a good life for you, God. I did my best. But to set our works, our, 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 our affections to serve God. The Bible says even those in heaven are worthless. They'll be burnt up, just like the hair that comes off the head of a Nazarite before the sanctuary is burnt up. It's just to reveal to the world we are a light here on earth. Our works are to resemble Jesus Christ, Christ-like, Christians, Christianity. But when we get to heaven, our works are not good enough. We all fall short of the glory of God, which means the perfection of God. And we stand before a living, mighty God with nothing to show except mercy. God's mercy upon us. Now, with that in mind, I want to draw your attention to the life of this man, Samson. And this is interesting. Look with me. At his potential in Judges chapter 13 verse 5. See the Bible makes it very clear. In Judges chapter 13 verse 5. That this man was unique because he was created. We're all created by God. I know that. We lose track of that. But I want, I want to focus on this for just a minute. Samson's potential was great. Because he was created by God. We've lost track that we are uniquely designed by God. We, we're different. We're not like the animals, even though they're uniquely designed by God. We are special. We have souls. We have a heart. That, and I'm not talking about the beating heart in our chest, a heart for people and a heart for God and a heart to love. We're set apart. We're uniquely designed. And the Bible says in Judges 3, 13 and verse 5, For though thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. God designed you uniquely. I want my little boy, my little girl to get in their mind that you have potential because you were created uniquely by God. You're unique. You're unique because you were born with a purpose. You were created by God with a purpose. You were created by God with abilities. So, man, I don't know about that. I don't know if I have the abilities of this man. I mean, he burnt the fields of the Philistines with 300 foxes by tying their tails together, lighting them on fire and sending them through the fields because he was mad at them. Not just because they're the enemy, because he got himself messed up in some things that he shouldn't have been involved in, and, and he wanted to lash out on the Philistines, so he lit all their fields on fire. What a unique way to do that. That's, that's something they do down south in Alabama, you know. This is... This man, he was not just an average man. He was a man that took the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand Philistines. That, this is something you'd see in the movies. What, what kind of potential does he have? Great potential with a great purpose. His purpose was to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Here's his purpose and his ability. What a unique man created by God. You're designed for a purpose. You're designed uniquely by God for a reason. You're chosen by God before you were even born to do something great 
to do something wonderful. Not to be average. He's given you the ability to be above average. You say, I can't do that. There's no way God can use me. Brother Matt Thistle was preaching in our, well, teaching in our Sunday school class this morning. He'll be speaking this evening and, uh, in our service. And he was talking about Moses, how Moses stood before God in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10 and says, I can't speak. I, they, I don't have the ability to speak. Who am I? And God said, who created the tongue in your mouth in verse 10? I did. I'm God. I uniquely created you with the abilities and a purpose for life. People are killing themselves every day across America and across the world. Suicide rate in America is higher than anywhere else in the world. Why? Because people don't realize they were created by God with a purpose, with abilities, with reason. If you think you're not able to do great things for God, let me remind you of a man by the name of Nick. And I dare not to try to pronounce his last name. He's a motivational speaker with no arms and no legs. And he travels all over the country. And everywhere he goes, he's challenging people to do something greater than themselves. And one of the most powerful videos I've seen of him is his testimony. Is he talking about how people fall down and they choose not to get back up and they give up on life and they're, they're relying on medication and they're depressed and they need a counselor and they need a psychiatrist and they just quit because they got it so hard. No arms, no legs. He had just one little, looked like little flippers. This is what God made him. And he just flops his body down on this little stage. And he says, what do I do when I fall down? He couldn't move. It's just a little body. No arms, no legs. He said, I have to determine I will not lay here and die. I can get up. Because I know who created me and why he created me this way. And he would maneuver his body to the left, to the right, and slowly get his body back up and stand up on those little nubs. And everybody applauded. And he said, we give up too soon. You were uniquely created. Yes, you have arms and you have legs. And you have the ability to do things, other people that don't have those arms and legs, to do things great for God. I want to emphasize, Samson's potential was great because God designed him with a purpose. If you've lived 33 years or 55 years or 85 years and you've done nothing for God, then you're wasting the potential that God has created you with. Your abilities. It's time to quit making excuses as a teenager. It's time to rise up and say, what is it that God created me to do? I want to find out and I want to do it. Samson's potential was great because he was created by God, by God with purpose and ability because he was blessed by God. You know, it's a blessing to be a part of a Christian home. How many of you had the privilege to grow up in a Christian home? Would you raise your hand? You are, you are very blessed. Samson grew up in a Christian home. In Judges chapter 13, verse 8, Samson's father, Manoah, prayed to God to teach him how to be a godly father. He said, God, I, I'm asking you to send the angel that went to my wife to come back down here, sit down with me and counsel me and tell me how to be a godly parent. And God did just that. His wife was in the field, and this man appeared unto her, began to speak to her, and she said, what, what? I need to go get my husband. He has been trying to get a hold of you, and here you are. Just stay right there. So she runs back, gets her husband. He comes back and says, all right, <clears throat> now tell me, can you imagine being able to do that? How many would love to be able to sit down with a messenger from God and say, all right, my child is five years old. I spank him all the time, and I don't know what else to do. Nothing works, you know? 
tell me what to do. Well, God said do this. All right, because he created your child, and he knows what to do. We don't get that privilege, but he did. Now, our privilege comes from the word of God. We read the word of God, and we know how to raise our kids. He's blessed with a godly father, a family. Sam's potential was great because he was created by God with purpose, with abilities. He was blessed by God with a godly family and good health. The Bible says in Judges chapter 13, in verse 24, that the child grew and the Lord blessed him. Man, I'm just, sitting, I'm just laying it out, the groundwork. I, I want you to really get in your mind that you are here, uniquely designed, created for a purpose. God designed me without the ability to grow here for a purpose. I don't know what the purpose is. God knew before I was born that there was going to be some struggles in my life physically that I had to live with for whatever reason... Whatever reason that God gave me the disease I have, multiple sclerosis, whatever reason God gave you the disease you might have or the problems you might have or the diabetes you might have for a reason and a purpose. I do not understand it. I cannot explain it. And when you meet God face to face, you can ask him because we cannot ask him to bring an angel down here and explain it to us. We can't do that. But I do want you to get this morning. You have potential just like Samson, but something happened. Not something good. But something very, very important that I want you to get dealing with the message, the road to Timnoth leads to Gaza, or Gaza. And that is this, his potential that was given to him, uniquely designed for him, what do you do with it? How do you use it? How are you using it? Because I don't want you to just see his potential and how it was great, but I want you to also see Samson's path and how it was wrong. Judges chapter, Judges chapter 14 And I want you to look at verse 1. Samson's path was not right because it was a downward direction. Hey, I know it seems easy when you're going down. In Tennessee, we'd go to this bike trail and it would be straight uphill. I mean, it was actually a mountain. With my teens, when I was a youth pastor, we'd go on this bike hike, go all day. And you it felt like forever, and we learned very quickly there's another way to get to the top of the mountain and then come down on your bikes, and that is a trailer. <laughs> so we load up our bikes, go on the trailer, go all the way to the top of the mountain, and then it became a really great bike hike because going down, it was an incline for miles, and you didn't even notice it. You couldn't even tell it was an incline because uh, it, was, it was one of those things that, you know, as it's that steep hill at moments you would be like, oh, whoa, they're going to slow down. And then other times you wouldn't even notice that you're going downhill. It was just gradual. That's the way life is, spiritually speaking. Samson's path was wrong because it led in downward direction. It's easy to go in the wrong direction. It's easy to go down in your spiritual lifestyle, especially when you go through a whole year and you're at the end of the year and you're like, a new year's coming. I got great potential. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do P90X. I'm going to do insanity. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do this. I'm going to read my Bible through 25 times this year. That means I have to do uh, about 10 chapters a day. Blah, 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 blah. We get all ambitious. We can get all excited. But boy, we start slipping. We start giving up, and it starts going downhill. Now look at this. The Bible says in Judges chapter 14, verse 1, And, and Samson went down to Timnoth and saw a woman in Timnoth of the daughters of the Philistines. Okay, wait a second. Why are you there? This is the land of the Philistines. You're supposed to fight against them. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman of Timnoth of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. What? You want to marry her? His father and mother looked at him and said in verse 3, said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren? 
I mean, do you always have to go to the wrong place? It's like hanging out at the bars and the lounge. And what, what, what are you thinking? There's believers. Why are you wasting your potential that God has given you to hook up with the enemy? To hook up with the Philistines? Well, they go on to say, or among all, uh, all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistine? But Samson says unto his father, get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. Did you notice you don't see anything about love here? He never mentions love. He just wants her because she pleases him well. It's called lust. Samson's path was wrong direction. You know why? Because it was filled with lust. He was a man's man and he knew it. And people took heed. I mean, you can see on TV all the time. Big stars, basketball players and people like that, football players that end up going the wrong direction because that fame gets to their head. You have potential. What are you doing with it? What direction are you taking your life? His was full of lust. The Bible goes on further to say his direction was wrong because not just the lust, but the temptation. So he gets his mom and dad together and he says, all right, why don't you just come with me? Why do you have to be this way? You haven't even met this girl. She's wonderful. I'm going to marry her. Samson, get it straight. You, you have the strength of like 10 men. You're supposed to be fighting the Philistines and you want to marry one of them? Who's going to come to the wedding? How awkward is this going to be? Did you think this one through? Just come on, Mom. Get, get on the camel. Let's go. Judges chapter 14, verse 5, the Bible says, Then went Samson down, notice the word down again, and his father and his mother to Timnoth, and came to the vineyards of Timnoth. This, this strikes me. You know why? It's a vineyard. What do they do with vineyards? Make wine. And strong drink. He's a Nazarite. He's not even supposed to be around that. So he's, now he's filled with lust over this woman. And on his journeys, he comes across some temptation that he put himself in. In the midst of the temptation, the Bible says, out of nowhere, a young lion roared against him. Not a full-grown lion, a, a young lion, a baby lion, roared against him and attacked him. His parents apparently weren't around, according to the passage of the scripture. And he killed the lion with his bare hands. He's a beast. I mean, the man is a beast. I'm not talking about the lion. The man is a beast. Who does that? Killed the lion with his bare hands. And he's probably thinking to himself, I'm okay. I'm okay. You see this? I know I was, I was in the place of temptation. Granted, I shouldn't be here. Taking mom, dad. We're going down. Philistines land. Stop to check out the vineyard. Maybe a little wine. I don't know if he ever drank any of it. But the point being, he's not even supposed to be around that. And all of a sudden, he got victory. You ever been there? You ever put yourself in a place of temptation, you didn't give in to it, and you think you're something special? Boy, I did it! I know I shouldn't have been alone with that woman at work, and it was just me and her, and the moment was right, and things, but nothing happened. It's a place of temptation, I put myself there, but I had victory. It was like slaying a lion. I got this thing. I know what I'm doing. I know how to do it. I can handle it, and if it comes up again, I'll just, I'll just handle the situation just like I did last time. I'll just play around with a little bit. Do a little bit, maybe get on the internet, maybe just a little bit of looking. I'm not going to totally give in to that pornography. Just a little bit, just a little bit, and then I'll pull back. If I see just a flash of something I shouldn't see, I'll just click off because I can slay that line. I can handle temptation, right? You ever been there? Hey, listen, just because he slayed the line of temptation doesn't mean it's not going to come back to haunt him. Look what the Bible says. So here he is, Samson, with all this potential on the wrong path, leading down, 
full of lust, full of temptation. He doesn't tell his mom and dad about the lion. And then we find something very unusual. <clears throat> the Bible says in Judges chapter 14, and he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. Again, lust, no love, infatuation. Verse 8 of chapter 14, and after a time he returns to take her. And he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. He's back. He's going back. He's filled with lust. He's already been tempted. Now I see addiction. So here he is on the wrong path in the wrong direction. And the Bible says later on he ends up marrying this woman. His marriage falls apart. It's a train wreck. It doesn't work, obviously, because he's unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And on his journey back to visit her, the Bible says he, if you would, wanted to just take a look. Maybe see what happened to that lion. Maybe if he could, maybe somebody was standing around and he could see, you see that lion? I killed that lion. Me. Not with a bow, not with an arrow, nothing like that. These hands, baby, I did that. And you know what? I might be in a vineyard. There might be a lot of alcohol around me, but I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. Then he looks down at the lion and notices something unusual, and that's a, a, a beehive there full of honey, and he reaches in. And he takes of that honey out of the carcass of a lion and eats it. How sick is that? I will never be so dead. I better be careful what I say. <laughs> I've been very hungry before, but not that hungry. You know? And so here he is digging in the carcass of a lion. He's already in the wrong location. He's back in that place of temptation, right? Now he's touching a dead animal that he's not supposed to touch. Why? All because he went down with his potential on the wrong path. The wrong path. Let me remind you of something. That carcass of that lion would have never been there if he didn't put himself in a place of temptation later on. In the past. He went back to it. And he dug in it. And you say, that is so nasty. I cannot believe he would dig in the carcass of a lion, a dead lion, in need of it. Well, let me remind you of how nasty it is to commit adultery. Let me remind you of how nasty it is when you dip into pornography and you say, it's okay, I just have a little bit of it. And before you know it, you're looking at not just pornography, but homosexuality and infidelity and immorality. And before you know it, you're watching movies and you're seeing things that you never thought you'd ever see before. And when you used to look on it, you used to say, that is nasty. That's wrong. I would never do that. Never do that. But now you find your hands dipped into the epitome of sin and you're saying, why am I doing this? And you'd stop and you'd say, I can't do this, but you continue to do it. Why? Because it's addictive. I remind you of a story. Pastor Tony gave this some years ago and I, I remember telling this when I was a, teen, a teenager preaching as a young man. And I remember hearing it and I never forgot it. And if you heard this story before, just listen to it again because I thought it was so unique. In Alaska, they would make it a point to, to catch the wolf they didn't want to catch him and keep him. They wanted to catch him and kill him. So they found out the best way to catch a wolf is to take a large blade and dip it in blood and freeze it. And then dip it in water and freeze it. And dip it in blood and freeze it. And they continue to do this, this pattern. And they stick it in the middle of a field that's cold. And that wolf would smell that blade. So they didn't want the wolf around because they'd always take their livestock. So... They left it in the field, and the wolf would come up to that and sniff it and smell it, and he'd know probably in his senses that God has given him, this is not a good idea. Same with Samson, same with you. This is not a good idea. What am I doing? This just seems too easy. This isn't right. And by the way, it's always, always, always easy to do evil. Always. That's why you could flip out your phone at any moment 
Say anything you want. Say anything you want on Facebook, which is a billboard for the whole world to see. Hey, you can do what you want to do because it's easy. That's why, that's why the path that God has put before you is narrow and the path the world has before you is wide because he wants you to be consumed with that which is easy. And it's fun for a season. It's fun for a season. And they dip that in the blood and dip it in the water and freeze it. And then that wolf would come, sniffing it, smelling it, begin licking it, and he'd taste that blood and say, oh, oh, this is okay. This is good. It's a little addictive. It's a little unusual, but it's good. And continue and continue. And then he'd hit that cold water and it didn't taste as good. It's like when you let a drink sit for a long period of time and all you do is taste the melted ice that was on the top. Now it's all mixed in the drink. You're like, ah, mix it up. Oh, it's all right now. I'm good. Then he hit the blood. Then he hit the water. Before you know it, his tongue begins to freeze and become numb. And he keep on licking and licking and licking. And before the time is up, he begins to lick the blade that was underneath the ice and the blood. And he begins to bleed himself. And he's licking his own blood. And doesn't even know it because his tongue is so numb. It's slit over and over and over again. And he dies in the midst of the field because he bled to death because of his own addiction to his blood. The book of Romans says in chapter 1, they, they crave the blood. They crave the sins of man and the affections of man and death and murder and stealing and theft and homosexuality. It's all mentioned there because we get wrapped up in our sin and we get wrapped up in our addiction. And before you know it, we're, it grabs us and pulls us down and we can't get back up. And the things we used to think were so evil and so horrible and so putrid, we are now indulging in those just like Samson in the carcass of a lion because his path was wrong and it went in the wrong direction. I want to close it out like this. Samson, I wish I could say, ended well. In some ways, you might say it did end well. But look with me and be the judge yourself. And The Bible says in Judges chapter 16, verse 4, I want you to notice, I love the potential of a man that's going to do something great for God. And then he let it go because he chose the wrong path. And now I see the penalty, Samson's penalty, and it's death. The Bible says, Judges chapter 16, verse 4, And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. How many know the name Delilah? How many know somebody that named their child Delilah? Really? Are you kidding? Y'all lying. Are you kidding me? I was going to say something about that, but now that you know somebody named Delilah, I'm not going to say it. It is unusual. Honestly, it is. It's very unusual. You hear people name their dog Samson, but you never usually hear people naming Delilah. Why? Because of her reputation? Beautiful name, but the reputation of that person is not that, it's not that great. But what's unusual is he just, he's been with a harlot in Gaza, or Gaza. And the Bible says he came out of the house in the evening with the harlot, Samson. And, 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 and just to prove a point to the people of that Philistine valley, that Philistine land, he ripped the walls, the gates off of Gaza off the hinges and put them on his shoulders and walked in the midst of them as if to say, touch me if you want to, but I'll destroy you the moment you do. I'm carrying hundreds of pounds on my back just to prove a point to you. Don't mess with me. But he was committing uh, uh, infidelity, he's committing fornication with one of the women of, 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 of Gaza. And then he fell in love with that other woman. 
The woman that he brought his parents to. Now, so he thought he did. He never used the word love. It was infatuation love. Now he's saying, I really am in love. And it's Delilah. In a land that is not like just any land. Because it's between God's land and the Philistines' land. This land, Sork, is in a position that's between the two lands. It's a lukewarm area. In other words, I'm not really with God's people. And I'm not really with the Philistines' people. I'm just kind of... In between, you know, I'm right in the fence, I'm lukewarm, I'm just hanging in there, and I love the woman that's here, I love her. Verse 5, and the lords of the Philistines came unto her and said unto her, entice him and see whether wherein his great strength lies. Entice him, get in his head, mess with his heart, and then find out why he's so strong. Entice that man of God. Bring him down so that church will suffer. Entice that godly father so his family will fall apart. Entice that godly woman so she'll lose her strength, spiritually spanking. Entice them. Oh, and she did. The Bible says further on, see where his strength is and by what means we may prevail against him. We want to defeat him. We want to ruin him. And we see his potential. We see what he can do. But we've been watching where he's been going and the path he's been on. And we think we can take him now. So she did. In this, this lukewarm position where he's at, he begins to give his heart away. And she, she gets deceived two or three times. Actually, three times according to the scripture. And she said in chapter 16, verse 15, and she said unto him, How canst thou say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? Come on, Samson. How can you say this? Do you not love me? Do you not care about me? Where is your heart? Well, it is with God. But the Bible says she kept on prevailing against him. To the point that his heart was so distressed that he gave it to her. But in the beginning, he lied to her. That's why she's upset right here in this passage of scripture. He said, take some dry cords and wrap my arms. And, 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 and I will be as weak as any other man. She said, oh, because she wanted to know his strength. She wanted to defeat this man and tear him down. And he broke the cords. And he said, whoa, 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 calm down, calm down. It, I'm just messing with you. You take some new rope, tie my arms up, I'll be down. I can't stand against that. She did just that. You'd think the idiot would catch on by now. Wouldn't you? It goes to show how weak men are when it comes to women. Samson, I love you. So does Lowe's carry those ropes? Where do I buy those? You moron. She's she's on round two. So finally he breaks breaks those ropes and then now we're on round three. She says, I thought you said you love me. I want to kill you. What are you doing? He said, well, take my long hair and braid it. Braid the hair, and I will be weak. Well, now I'm thinking she's an idiot. Because you're thinking just braiding hairs. So she did just that. Round three. And she said, the Philistines are upon us. The Philistines are upon us. And the Bible says he rose up against the Philistines and defeated him. Finally, she had enough. You say you love me. I want you to tell me where your strength lies. Why are you doing this? And the Bible says, in verse 17... That he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon my head. 
And he begins to explain to her, if you shave my head, you'll become, I'll become as just any ordinary man. So this time, the Bible says the Philistines went into the house and hid. They weren't going to wait outside. They waited inside. She shaved his head. Said, rise up. The Philistines are upon us. He rose up as bold as I am. And he could not defeat the Philistines. And the Bible says, regardless of his potential, regardless of his path, he's now going to reach his penalty. And he's no longer a Timnoth. He now is approaching Gaza. Look with me. And it all ends here. The Bible goes on to say, by the way, let me say this before I go any further. You better be very careful who you give your heart to. If you're not careful, young people especially, teenagers, you give your heart away too soon, you'll find yourself in a tragic situation. We give our hearts away to materialistic things and we find ourselves because we're pressed, maybe by somebody in the family to get this, get this, get that, do this, do this, do this. We become in debt or we get in a relationship that's falling apart because we give our heart away to the wrong thing, just like Samson, because she prevailed against him daily. Remember the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of that comes the issues of life. Now Samson finds himself in Judges chapter 16, verse 21, but the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. Here he is. This is it, man. This is it. They didn't just strap him down. They tortured him. And the thing the devil wants to see in your life is not you dead. They did not kill him. He wants to see you miserable. He wants to see you have a miserable, miserable life he wants to torture you to the place where you're just so depressed, so down and out, you just want to quit and give up. They strapped him down and took his eyes out of his head while he laid there. Then he took his body and threw him into an area where he'd grind at the mill, where the women would grind, just to be an illustration of, you're just a pathetic, weak man doing a woman's work now. So sin not only took him to the bottom of Gaza, but it also took him to the place that it blinded him and they bound him, the Bible says in Judges chapter 16, verse 21, the second part of that, and bound him with fetters of brass. And then in the end of that verse, it says, and he did grind in the prison house where the women would. Here he is. Here's your great champion. The man with all the potential. God designed and God created. The man that chose the wrong path. And now his penalty is death. But they're going to torture him until he gets to that point. I want, I want you to know this before you leave this room. You are unique. And the devil can use the way you were created for his glory. Or God will use it for his. But it's up to you who you give it to. What path are you on? Because the end thereof is not good if it's your own path that's broad. The end is not good because the conclusion of sin is always the same. The wages of sin is death. Draw your attention to this. Judges chapter 16, verse 23. It's all the Philistines gathered together in a huge coliseum to have a, if you would, a, a entertaining time. And Samson is brought out by a child placed in front of this congregation of people. And the Bible explains that they would taunt him and laugh at him as they worshiped their God, Dagon. And they praised and rejoiced and said, look what our God has done. Delivered Samson to our hands. Oh, look at these Christians. Flip on 2020. Look at these fanatics, these weirdos. Look at the God they serve. 
Yeah, Christmas is nice and they do their thing, but outside of that, they're a bunch of fanatics. I mean, come on. They want to mock and make fun and ridicule. And they're just waiting for you to mess up. Just go one direction the wrong way. You mess up, we will, we will flaunt your sin to everybody. Just mess up. And that's what they did. And the Bible says in verse 30 of chapter 16, Samson bowed himself with all his might and he pleaded with God to deliver him one more time. And the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people therein. And he died. And the Bible said he slew more in his death than in his life. But that is not the way to go. That's not a hero's death. Do you want to stand before God and say, and hear, well done? I want it to end well. What about your potential? You've got great potential. Hey, God has designed you for a purpose. Let 2014 show the world what God designed and created you for. And make your path the path of righteousness. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. All thine heart. Don't give it away to anybody. In all thine heart, trust in the Lord. Lean not unto your own understanding. Why? Because in all thy ways, acknowledge him and he will direct thy path. Because the path has to be straight. 